Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Look, y'all know we harp on it a lot. You need a good pair of binos. Yeah, I never hunted with binos until I was almost into my 20s. I never did it when I was a teenager or anything like that. Or when I was a kid, we never had binos. And when I bought my first pair of Vortex binos, the first binos I ever purchased back in like 2015, it immediately made a huge difference for me, especially in the turkey woods. So give yourself the advantage of a good pair of binos this spring, whether you're looking for more of like an entry-level bino like the Vortex Diamondbacks or something really, really nice like the Razors. Vortex is going to have something for you. And hey, don't pay full price for it. Use our discount code at eurooptic.com. Use the code SGN10 to get a discount on any Vortex optics that you want to order. Again, that's eurooptic.com, code SGN10 to go get a discount on any Vortex product you order. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Coming at you live from, well, I say live, it's not really live, but coming at you from the uh, National World or National Turkey uh, Federation. Oh, wow. NWTF, yeah, you National Wild out. Turkey Federation. Listen, guys, National Wild Turkey Federation. The guys, Pete Muller and the guys in the marketing team, really love me saying that. National Wild Turkey Federation convention here in Nashville, Tennessee, 2022. Got Billy Yargis on from Woodhaven Custom Calls and also, of course, world champion caller here. Billy, how you doing? I'm doing good. Awesome. Appreciate you coming on. It's been, a, I think it's been at least, I'll say it's at least a year. It might have even been two years since we've had you on, uh, but I'm excited to have you back on the podcast um, and kind of talking all things turkey on this episode. But we also have, we got a celebrity guest on here, which I like to just put anybody under that kind of pressure if they're a guest <laughs> on the podcast. Celebrity guest slash celebrity co-host on this, which is our buddy Kyle Sides, who is the, the snipe hunting master, mm-hmm. which you probably heard from uh, uh, a past episode, because by the time this episode comes out, yeah. we've already talked about that hunt. So yep. Kyle Sides from the uh, old good old black belt part of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we get Michael Pike. Yep. The green turkey hunter. The the new guy. The new guy on the block when it comes to turkey hunting. But we're going to talk all things turkey hunting today. So, uh, Billy, just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. Uh, I, I kind of want to come at this episode. We'll, we'll talk about whatever. Again, everything's fair game on here. But from a guy like Michael, who's just now getting interest in wild turkeys. Okay. Interested in hunting them. He's been big deer hunter his entire life. Hardcore. Hardest. As hardcore as you can get. Okay. To now look at turkeys and the excitement for turkeys, Billy, just to hit the conversation on the head, what gets you excited about hunting wild turkeys? The big thing for me is to call them. I mean, that I'm kind of old school. I like to I like to call the bird in. I like to fool him, get him to come to my setup, and instead of me trying to go to him, and not that I won't go to him, and not that I won't sneak up on him once in a while, and they make you mad every once in a while, kind of like an old deer. I mean, you just can't get in the right spot at the right time, so... Yeah, the big thing for me would be to call him and uh, and just get him full. Whether you're doing the hen yelps and trying to be as sexy as you can, or you're throwing a gobbler yelp at him and trying to, you know, play on his jealousy side and and make him come running to you. Then so there's there's a lot to it, uh, a lot of scouting. There's a lot that goes into it. Okay. And and the scouting aspect is kind of interesting too because I know Billy, you've got a background of hunting public land, kind of especially coming up in uh, Missouri and everything. I know we've talked about that a little bit in the past. Mm-hmm and kind of some of the things that was different on the public land hunting first maybe when you have access to some really high quality private land that's not as pressured and all that so there's a big difference when you're hunting pressured birds versus unpressured birds and how that hunter's going to have a different experience based off where he's hunting in that kind of situation sure you got to change up your calling a lot of times what i what i've noticed when i go to public ground a lot of times you just got to tone it down uh if i can find a bird whether i can see him or whether i just hear him gobbling uh, I'll try to get as close as I can to him. I mean, if I can get 75 to 80 yards from him and get set up without him knowing I'm there uh, and just give him some of the softest, prettiest yelps that I can, maybe purr and cluck, scratching the leaves, those little things, just trying to put the realism into that as much as possible, then I can uh, hopefully fool him to come to me. But I was hunting in, uh, I was hunting in Alabama last year in the National Forest, and I – uh, we had, I actually had an encounter with a bird. We heard him he gobble one time at us. And I couldn't get him to gobble again. And as we uh, snuck up over the hill, I, I just call it peeking up over the hill. We just kept 
getting down and crawl, you know walking up that hill and then we peek up over top of it till finally we got to where we could see the bird so watching him whether he got behind some bushes or just had his head down pecking uh me and dylan our cam my camera guy we got uh slipped up in there and got right in front of the tree got set up gun up on my knee camera set up and i yelped at him and he uh he wouldn't gobble but he did turn and look at us and he started to strut and he come about 10 yards closer and he stood there strutting watching and i didn't call to him anymore I just sat there and waited on it because i knew it was burnt over so i knew that if i called he's going to pinpoint me and i watched him as he just flipped his wing and i thought when he flipped that wing that's one thing when a turkey flips his wing drops strut flips that wing he's leaving that's what's on his brain i'm done i'm leaving for whatever reason he started to walk away well then i started calling and all the pleading i wanted to do and the prettiest things i could say to him he wasn't having no part of it he walked away and never did gobble again never seen him again so that's all part of it but usually in that situation a lot of times you know 50 percent of the time you'll have a bird turn around and work his way close enough to where you could at least get a shot at him but so with you talking about scouting i'm a big scouter as far as for deer uh what are you looking for like when you're going into the woods for the first time like you know for deer i'm looking at terrain cover those types of things are is there anything that kind of relates as far as like you know turkey do the same or similar things as deer i know i see them in a lot of the same areas so i'm assuming there's some similarities yeah a lot of times they do i mean uh you have it's just like a deer some turkeys like they're like on a on a clock and you can bank they're going to be in this field at 9 9 30 every single morning uh i had a place last year when i was scouting uh i had a bird coming into a field and i seen him there at eight o'clock and i seen him there at 8 30 uh i think i seen him like three different times and we actually went to hunt that farm with the place i took my camera guy I was pretty positive the birds would be up or well they ended up on being on the neighbors they was too far away which we're not going to cross the fence but we sat there for an hour and a half and they never did come our way and i know they heard us because i know they they answered me a couple of times and finally i told i told nathan i said let's go down here along the road i said there's a bird been in there uh every morning 8 8 30 i said let's get up i want to be in there by at least eight o'clock so we got there about 7 30 quarter to eight got set down and we and we started calling and nothing and we sat there and what i call blind calling we sat there and i called about every five or six minutes uh just trying to get some kind of a reaction out of it i knew he was in there somewhere and finally it was like 9 30 i told nathan i said i think it was like 9 28 to be exact i said he's got one more chance i'm going to yelp do a lost yelp and do a little cutting if he doesn't answer me i said we're going up into the big timber and and uh, start looking for a bird at that time i did I, when i got through cutting he gobbled one time he was across the road down along the creek and uh, from that point on also i just did what i normally do just started calling to him normally just doing plain yelps nothing fancy and he just kept gobbling coming to us now once he got to where when he got to the road and got up on the road he looked over i had a i had a dsd decoy out and as soon as he seen that decoy i i mean i yelped three or four more times real soft at him and other than that it was just patience at that time you just had to, it's like a, watching a big buck and he just walk, walked into the field and he's eating and you're just waiting for him to work his way close enough to where you can get the shot 
So, yeah, one of the big things that I look for is the scratchings. Uh, that's when turkeys are looking for their feed and the timber and the leaves, you know, they get the scratching. Uh, always looking for tracks. You can tell a lot from a track, whether it's a gobbler or a jake or a, or a hen, you know, just by looking at that track. The, of course, the hen's a smaller track, the exact same thing, but just smaller. And then a jake, like the toes on the jake would be a little bit thinner than an older gobbler you know those toes are going to be a little bit fatter the difference between the hen and the jake i mean the hen's like three inch long middle toe and the, and the jake or a gobbler would be probably about three and a half inches so you're looking for that uh you hit the i mean i'm always looking and listening and trying to find out where they're roosting at i'll start scouting as soon as i get home well actually, actually i've been doing a little scouting on my own place at home now but i'll start looking right now uh even when you find where those big winter flocks are I know a place right now I can go in there every morning. If it's a clear morning, those birds will be yelping, gobbling. I mean, it'd be hens, jakes, every kind of noise that a turkey makes. They'll be in there every morning, and they'll do that. Even all the way through the winter, they'll do that. So those birds are easy to find. The ones that are hard to find are, are your smaller groups of gobblers. There might be three or four in a group, and they may not say a sound. Sometimes I think a gobbler, other than maybe clucking, is about all they would do just to get back with their flock a lot of times they never say a word so you're gonna have to rely on on the scratchings like i said in the in the tracks where they're feeding at uh the main thing and that's with deer with turkey or whatever they've got to have food water and they have to have cover you got to have those those are your three main things that, that's going to keep turkeys on your place now if you can go in and find i've actually went in and found uh piles of turkey poop underneath trees mm-hmm. if you find that yeah that bird's in there every day i know a spot mm-hmm. like that oh whoa, 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 whoa. yeah there you go <laughs> that's yeah, what i'm talking about yeah. Cal, you yeah. see he's holding out bro yeah, he's already <laughs> scouting man. so you're gonna send me the pen here in a minute <laughs> I, pay, I pay attention you know to turkey but, uh, but you know i don't know they just so far they've never really just you know got me like deer yeah um now i've seen a lot of a lot of turkey roost um is th- you know most of the time i see it in big like mature pine trees um and then uh you know i always see them coming through in the evening is there any like as far as elevation like is there anywhere they want to be something that maybe makes them gravitate to a certain area do they do they roost in the same spots or same areas like how does that kind of look does it just matter wherever they end up at the day or they always come back to that same area uh, there's a lot of turkeys that go to the same tree. I mean, roost on the exact same limb every single night, and that's where you'll find those piles okay. of poop underneath there. Yeah. The ones that are a little harder uh, to determine if they're not talking is is the ones that uh, I've got some places back home in Missouri where they'll wherever they end up at evening, that's where they're going to fly up at. And mm-hmm. you go. My dad told me uh, I think it was back in '88. He come. I was working night shift, and he come down there while working at hay. He said, I'll put a bird to roost for you for in the morning. I said, all right, where's that at? And he told me it was on Aunt Annie down there, right here in this one holler. I said, cool. So I went down there the next morning. I went back in there, got all set up. I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, waiting. I'm like, I know he's here. There ain't no reason to hoot. So I'm waiting, and I heard a bird gobble way back up, right above my truck. And I'm like, that can't be the one that he heard. So I, I hooted at him. I, hoot, I hooted, uh, a turkey will gobble at a hoot owl, a crow, any kind of a loud noise, a train whistle or even a car horn. So I started hooting just real soft, nothing. So I get a little bit louder, and that one bird, he just keeps gobbling. Finally, I, I'm like, I've got to go get him. That had to be either that or that bird didn't gobble where I was at, but I don't think so. I think, I think my dad 
thought he had him on the roost and i think he was still on the ground and he'd moved on up closer to the truck i still end up killing him and he was he had inch and a half hooks on him he was a good bird he come running i mean he come literally running he flew down that tree and come running to me like he was a two-year-old i figured he was a two-year-old it don't matter it was how old they are or how educated they are if they are really looking for a hen and, and wanting you they'll come running in there like a young jake you know, you think you, you – and then there's other birds. I've had Jake's stand off and gobble at me and stuff, and you think, this is an old bird. i got to get him killed. And you finally get up in there, and you finally get him coaxed in there, and you look, and comes in there, a little, mm. little stub sticking out on his chest, and you're like, are you kidding me? I've worked on birds for three hours and call in six Jake's, and you're like, where's the long beard at? And then pretty soon, one of them Jake's gobbles, and he, he gobbles like a man, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs> So when you're trying to locate them, uh, are you doing that at specific times? Like, is there only certain times that they'll do that? They'll respond to that? Like, is it late evening or is that, you know, after they've already flown up or is that, you know, at, at night or, you know, first thing in the morning, like before daylight? Like, how does, uh, I'm totally new to this. So No, that's a good question. I know a little bit, you know, yeah. just hearing people talk, but there's a lot of don't. I like owl, using an owl call. I like using it early in the morning and then late in the evening. Uh, a lot of times they'll answer that because that's, that's when an owl's awake, you know. Right. I like to try and keep it as realistic as I can. Uh-huh. Uh, I do like going to a crow call. A lot of times when I put birds to roost, like, say, evening, uh, if I can get one, if I can hoot at him and get him gobbling, a lot of times I'll slip in right where I'm going to sit at the next morning where I'm playing. I think I can kill him right here. Yeah. And then I'll even get my turkey call out, and I'll do some real soft yelps and maybe even do a fly-up cackle and use my wing to try to make it sound more realistic. And he just leave him there. He's thinking about that all night long. Huh. And then the next <laughs> That's morning. That's interesting. I've never, yeah, never next, heard that. Next morning, you just give him a little, a few little tree up. And yeah. I've, had, I've had them. They can't get there fast enough. They thought about that all night long. It ain't no different than what you would if you seen a real pretty blonde. <laughs> so so when, they fly, when they fly down, is there a certain distance that you need to give them to fly down? Like if you're kind of, you know, like say you go in in the evening, you've got them in this one tree and you're trying to game plan for the next morning. Like, do you need to position yourself like a certain distance away from that tree? That way you kind of position yourself to where when they land, like you're within a zone or something or. It's a, it, it depends on, on the terrain, in my opinion. Uh, I've set up almost underneath of them where you could have shot them right out of the tree. And that was totally by accident. You know, it's like, I know he's right there. And if we get right here, I think we can kill him right there. And I, me and Tim Anderson, uh, you know, I don't know if you know Tim. He used to be with Mossy Oak. He passed away this last year. Great guy. We got set up, and the bird was right behind us up on the hill. And Tim said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm not going to do anything. I'm hoping he's going to fly down right out here in front of us, and then I can start working on him. Man, I was scared to do too much calling and uh, I possibly have him. I've had them switch trees and fly and get right over top of you, or, or like you said, fly down right in your lap. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're just looking to yeah. kill him, it doesn't make very good filming, but it, <laughs> yeah, you can still get your bird. But now a lot of times I try to get within a hundred yards of them. And there's some places you may have to get 200, 300 yards away from them, depending on how open the ground is. If the moon, I mean, if the moon is out and it's really bright in that field, you may and no leaves on the trees you may not be able to get in there you may have to set 300 yards okay if the birds like on the national forest if i had one to roost in there 
I'd get within 50, 60 yards of him, and I'd want it when he flies down, I'd want him to fly right down next to my decoy and try to kill him, you know, as soon as his toes hit the ground. So it's just reading him just like a big buck. You just got to read him. How close do you want to get into his bedding area? If the wind's right and you can stay quiet and get right in there within, you know, within 60, 70 yards of him, when he stands up, you'll probably be able to see him. Yeah, you know that'd be great when you're going in do you have to be like extremely quiet or is it more about a visual like how does that look no you want to be as quiet as you can we've even gone so far uh years ago russell robertson he taught me how to how to hunt period and one of the things that he he taught me was he liked to get really close i mean sometimes you could be sitting there looking at the turkey and he's not 50 yards on a tree out there in front of you and back then we didn't have apex ammunition as far as far as that was. you <laughs> now you could shoot him just as soon as he hit the ground if he dropped right straight to the ground uh but no he liked getting it really close and what we would do is we'd actually not take a leaf break but we'd make uh take a stick with three limbs on it to where it make like a leaf rake and we would actually rake us a path all the way to the tree we wanted to set up against and if we used a decoy we would rake a path out to right where we wanted to put the decoy at in the middle of the afternoon when the birds wasn't around so that next morning when you walk in you wouldn't make a sound i mean you walk right straight to that tree go put your decoy out come back and set and set up and especially good when you're taking kids hunting kids have a tendency to scoot their feet for some reason and then not just kids i've taken i've guided a lot and when you take some people they do it anyways but if you get all them sticks out of your way and they don't know you're there that's the whole key you, you take mossy oak camouflage to where you're going to blend in with your surroundings. Use the correct mossy oak camouflage where you're going to blend in. They're not going to see you. You go in there and make no noise and use the Woodhaven calls to sound exactly like a real live wild hen turkey. Your chances are going way up. <laughs> when when you've got like private around, I, I always hear everybody, they're always talking about, oh, they were, they, they went to the private that I couldn't get them off. Like, so as a new turkey hunter, like, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, if you know where they're roosting and you know where they're going, jump in between. Um, is is that something like you could, you know, effectively do? Like, you know, if you know they're at point A and they're going to point B, you just get in between them and then basically cut them off or? You could. I mean, I'd rather be at point B. I'd rather be where they want to go. It's always easier to call a turkey where he wants to go. And if they normally go there anyways and they hear a hen there, uh, you might just, you know, they might just speed it up and get there a little bit quicker. Like I told you about that hunt just a few minutes ago. Yeah. That bird had been coming to that field and strutting in there. Uh-huh. And uh, by, by doing my scouting, I knew that bird had been coming in there. He was late that day. For whatever reason, he was late. Uh, maybe he roosted further away, further down the creek or something. I'm not sure. And we were just about ready to get up and leave. But luckily, he gobbled and ended up paying off. You can, you can watch that on the Woodhaven YouTube channel if you uh-huh. get a chance. Uh, a lot of patience and a lot of blind calling. We done a lot of blind calling last year. The birds weren't responding real well. And public public land hunting, when you go into a place like that, blind calling is absolutely deadly. When when you go in, last year I went into the National Forest, and the first thing them guys said, good thing you waited a couple more weeks because if you'd have been here last week you couldn't have found a parking spot in here <laughs> when you get into a place like that these birds they shut down they do not want to gobble uh and a lot of times the hens will just take them and drag them off so then and that can even happen on, pu- on public ground or private ground you know but in them kind of places i like to just go in 
where I know I've done my scouting and the birds like to hang out, go in there and get set up, do some real soft calling. And if you're not getting any response ever once in a while, throw that lost yelp in there, do a little bit of cutting, and then just wait 10 or 15 minutes and go back and do a couple of series of short plain yelps to just to coax him into there because that's what the hens are doing they get quiet and they can get quiet whether it be because of predators or whether it be because of hunters there's so many different reasons to make a bird quiet they're not always call shy a lot of times i've been in pub or private ground where they've been ag- aggravated by coyotes and bobcats and stuff so much that the turkeys just shut down the hens aren't yelping loud and the gobblers they don't want to gobble uh the main thing when you're doing that is listen for the the spitting and drumming of that turkey when you're when you're sitting there and all of a sudden you hear you better be looking you and as soon as you figure out where he's coming from uh wait till he gets his head behind a tree and get your gun up and be ready for when he steps out i always hear people talking about he came in right behind me like Uh oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> so i have a question like why didn't most people not just if they know where the turkey is like just automatically get around the other side of the tree and just wait for him to pop up like what what's going on here like why are they always coming in behind you sometimes they circle around and come in behind you uh-huh. i was hunting in a place memphis missouri one time and i had a camera guy sitting right beside him and we had a couple decoys out in front of us in a cornfield and the only thing behind us was a slough okay well up to our left the bird had flown down and he was gobbling up there and all the there was a good crossing up there and i thought well he'll come right across that crossing hit this field he's gonna see him decoys and he'll come running in here and he stood up there for probably 30 minutes gobbling and we had a jake come in and he was starting to mess up our decoy uh finally he got tired of messing with our decoy and he walked up he heard that gobbler gobbling he walked up there to him and he got up there and we hadn't heard the gobbler gobble for a little bit and and pretty soon I heard that Jake up there, go, 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 go. I thought, that bird didn't gobble. And that Jake's yelping. Why is he yelping? He's got to be right there standing right beside of him. And he just kept doing it. And I thought, that, guy, that bird, he went somewhere. He didn't come this way, but he went somewhere. So I start calling really loud. And all of a sudden, this thing gobbled. And right across the slough, right dead behind us. I mean, he just shut up when he come in. He's right. He scared us half to death. That camera guy, I thought I'd jump, but that camera guy like jumped out of his skin and he's like, I, I, I can't, I, uh, I can't get the camera around there. And I'm like, just sit still. Don't move. Just wait. And we sat there and we waited and I, and I finally got my head turned and I looked back there on the other side of that slough and I watched him as he walked on down and then I watched him fly across the slough. And as soon as he hit that field, he done what I want him to. He, I mean, I yelped at him one time. He come running right to the decoys, and I was able to, I was able to kill him. But you, in our minds, we think that turkey ought to do one thing. Right. Ah, something. It's kind of like a big buck. Yeah. Well, I mean, you yeah, think you always he think should he's come, gonna come out from this area. Yeah, he's always <laughs> coming out from the other area. <laughs> He'll mess you up. Yeah. yeah. And but that's, I mean, I think that's what part of the fun is. You yeah. know, is is you don't always know, and right. uh, it's I don't know it's just a blessing from god that we're able to get in his outdoors to enjoy the time that we have sometimes we win the game and sometimes we don't you know he's like i told you a story that bird he just turned around and walked away and uh yeah sometimes you just want to sit there and just about cry you know you're like oh where are you going <laughs> i think michael one thing that you'll like about talking with turkeys is there's a lot more strategy to it 
than some people think when they're looking from the outside in. Like just like we were talking about, there's a ton of stuff that Billy's already hit on. That's strategy that comes from experience of like different approaches to be able to get a bird, especially off the limb, to come to you. And also, uh, Billy, you probably could talk about this, especially when you're trying to kill one off the limb uh, and get one to come to you right off the limb is the strategy of knowing the topography around there and most likely what's the most likely spot he wants to pitch down to and beat him to it, you know, before even daylight hits there and be right where he wants to pitch down automatically and, you know, throw out some soft tree yelps and have him come right there to your lap. Yeah, you. I mean, if you know your area, a lot of, we hunt a lot of places that we have never even stepped foot on, but we've got a guide that'll take us in there and they'll do the, I mean, they've done the scouting for you. But if I'm scouting, I like to go out before the leaves ever get on the trees. I like to know where the fences are. I know I don't know where the ditches are. Uh, you know, a turkey will walk up on a logging road and he'll get to a log and he'll strut back and forth across that log and he will not. You can't get him to break over and come on in. Like you said earlier, it's easier to call a turkey where he already wants to go. But if he gets, you know, if you're on the wrong side of the fence and he gets to that woven wire fence, there's a good, I've seen him fly up over the fence and then I've seen him come under the, you know, get into a hole of a fence and come right on to me. But there are turkeys that are traveling. The, the birds aren't much different than deer. The gobblers will be traveling looking for hens and they'll go across country. I mean, they might go five, 10 miles. Well, they don't know that area. We all think, oh, well, they live here every day. Well, not always. And that bird may not know there's a hole in that fence. And for whatever reason, he, I mean, it seems easy. You ought to just fly right over top of them and come to you. A lot of times they won't do that. They'll strut back and forth and back and forth. But if you're set right up on that fence, you know, you got permission on the other side, and you set right up close enough to that fence, when he gets there, then that, that gives you the opportunity to go ahead and kill him. And that goes to say whether it's early morning or, or later in the afternoon, because you can hunt all day in Alabama. Uh, back home, we can only hunt till 1 o'clock. But when we hunt uh, later in the morning, I'll switch over to like a box call or the Cherry Classic Crystal and start running them. And, and it reaches out further and try to strike one up. We're talking about locators. I use them as locators a lot of times. Sometimes I don't, if the birds aren't gobbling good, I won't use a turkey call, call to try to locate them because you do. Um, you've just got through calling you walk around a corner of a field or something and there a gobbler is standing and he flies off well then your hunt's over but if you use a crow call and he might answer that then it, there, you got a better chance to get in there and get set up some birds are so hot you don't even have a chance to get uh, in an area and get set down before he's right there on top of you I mean I think every hunter has had that happen to him you hit a call mm -hmm. he gobbles everybody's scrambling trying to get set down and you never hear him again it's probably because he came running as fast as he could and he's seen a bunch of guys trying to get set down. <laughs> I don't know if y'all ever had that happen to you no, before, yeah. but <laughs> well, plenty of times. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so there's a lot to this, and Mike, you've asked some interesting questions. I'll be honest, because again, that's this is what I wanted. I wanted to do an episode, Billy. I'm glad you were able to come on, and we can talk about some of the stuff from Michael's perspective. Again, being that green guy, because it's amazing how many people I'll listen to, uh, you know, right in onto the podcast talking about. You know, they just now are getting into turkey hunting. They've been deer hunting for 35 years, for 25 years, and now they're like, well, y'all talked a lot about turkeys. Well, now I'm interested in, in getting into turkeys and, and turkey hunting. And it's amazing just how much there is to learn when it comes to chasing a turkey. Some people, again, outside looking in, that's probably one reason why Michael's never been super excited. Like, oh, is this a turkey? Is this a bird? Like, yeah. ain't, ain't got the antlers and all that kind of stuff. But it's amazing how how many times i've been outsmarted and again that bird hang up just outside of range because i didn't step in a proper spot like what um um oh ellis uh scott ellis talks about hide the hen 
and like you yeah. know put yourself in the right position where he's got to come and close the distance, especially if you're not using decoys, uh, and set yourself up in that position. So when he comes in, you have the opportunity to kill him right then and there instead of him hanging up 80, 90 yards. This is when the times I wish I had a decoy with me to be able to kind of help seal the deal a little bit with that that visual, um, which is just a huge aspect as well. Uh, but it brings up you know just the aspect from again Michael's perspective of again just coming at this from. A new hunter. There's so many different things that Billy. I mean, you do on a yearly basis that a lot of guys are just now kind of think like, how can I maybe learn some of these different things? And one thing you've told us, I think about been the first time you came on the podcast, which is like back in 2018, 2019, which was I think it was like mid morning and afternoons, kind of on your blind call sets, getting up on a ridge top and kind of like you know blind calling down the ridge, swing down, you know, do some yelps, and then sit back down that one spot sure. where you're like, it sounds like a hen on top of this, you know, ridge trying to call back to, you know, the flock. So, Mike, in some of these areas where we can potentially hunt some afternoons, and, and Billy, you talk about, again, this this calling strategy of being able to kind of do this blind call set when you're especially an individual guy and you don't have somebody else with you that can kind of do some of that calling for you. Can you talk about that strategy of, again, kind of getting up and kind of imitating like that lost hen up on top of one of these ridges and then setting back down to kind of give that atmosphere and that kind of perspective to potentially that bird that might be, you know, three, 400 yards away from you? Yeah, I've had it work in the spring and the fall before. Uh, a lot of times, when you do your scouting and you know where the birds like to hang out and sometimes it's just year after year you know the bird hanging this in this particular holler uh i'm up on top of the ridge and i've been sitting there for an hour or so and just nothing nothing's answering nothing's going on you know i've actually got up and take off i kind of call a little walkabout i just i take off walking say to my left and i just make a big circle all the way out in front of me go out there 50 60 yards that call may that 50 or 60 yards may allow that gobbler to hear my call right there but when he hears you doing that and a hen search when a hen searching i mean they're yelping and they're cutting and making all kinds of racket as they're walking all the way around there now if i hear a bird gobble at me i'll immediately start to walk back where i want to sit down at even if i'm walking away from him and just keep right on yelping and a cutting yelping and a cutting and when i get back to where i want to sit i sit back down there and and get my gun up on my knee and i get ready now if he after I get sat down, if he if he gobbles at me, a lot of times I'll tone it back down and I'll just yelp at him a little softer. If I get the right reaction, you know, he gobbles right back, hits, I mean, cuts me right off and, and gobbles back at me. Uh, just wait on him. He's coming. He's on his way, especially you'll be able to tell he's starting to close the distance. When you're doing those blind calls, uh, is there, would you rather be like on the spine of a ridge? That way you can catch both sides of it or like be in the bottom of a holler and, and, and going up to each side, like, is there a, a preference to where you do that at or no you could do it either way I've, I've i've done it in the bottoms before uh you can cover a lot of ground if you're sitting down like say down along a creek down in the bottoms and basically the birds on each side of that can hear you but even if you're setting up on top of ridge personally i i like to set up if i'm hunting a timber i like to set up on top of the ridges and you know and just wait yeah and do my calling from right there but that travels so far i've had birds matter of fact we we've got a hunt on the woodhaven channel right now uh scott tiercy we call him skeet he uh we went in and we got set up and we started to call and we heard a bird gobble even before we got set up but he was a long ways off clear down the bottom of the, it was cow pasture is what it was and he had started to go up the other side we'd already got set up and the birds going up the other side Okay, so we seen the bird 
all the way across that holler. I mean, it's it's wide open pasture from where we're at. There is a fence, a woven wire fence down there, and it's, there's a creek in the bottom. But up on the other side, we finally spot that gobbler. We did, I didn't know it at the time, but uh, Skeet had actually pulled out his rangefinder. What he's doing with the rangefinder with a turkey hunting, I don't know, but <laughs> he he ranged him. He was 600, I think he said 620 yards or something like that. Mm. And he had actually gotten even further, and I just kept cranking on him. Skeet got, I don't know what he, he might have had a, he might have had a Cherry Classic Crystal or something. He started stroking on it, and we just kept watching him with our binoculars. Uh, Philip had a set of binoculars, kept watching him. He said, that bird's turning around. I think we called to him so much that he started to pay attention to us, and the hen that he was following, I think she slipped away and got away from him. So when he got turned around and he couldn't see her anymore, he actually started coming back down the hill and i said he's coming i said he's, he's coming this way he walked all the way down it took him a long time to get across the creek and the fence and i told mark i said i think you'll come up that little draw there's a little draw right out there in the middle of his hayfield where we was sitting at he walked right up there 10 yards from the decoys they say i said decoys too close i i like them 10 yards i like them right in my face when i, when I get ready to shoot him but he walked right up there from even that distance and, and he ended up killing him when you think turkey calls, think of Houndstooth. Houndstooth Game Calls is a company based right here in Alabama, actually based out of Tuscaloosa, and they have been making some of our favorite turkey calls since 2012. Y'all head on over to their website, see what they got. They got a little something for everybody. They have a huge selection of different mouth calls, different cuts, different read configuration. I like to go on there and get five or six different mouth calls and just run them, see which ones I like the most. You know, some days I might like the KB hen, some days I might like the ghost cut. Some situations I might like the country girl call, you know, that I can cut on really hard where on other situations i might like the all pro that i can get a little bit softer on bottom line there's something for everybody and something for every situation and hey you can get 15 percent off of your order at houndstooth game calls by using the promo code sop24 that's sop24 use that promo code it'll get you a discount and it helps out the podcast your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. In that situation, when you have, you know, a turkey uh, 600 yards away, um, how far how much distance are you covering are you covering any like you know like i I don't know i mean i assume like they have really good eyesight um so like you know what can you get away with it depends on your terrain yeah Uh, one of the things that mark wanted to do that day he said we need to move closer and i i couldn't agree more with him we i would have liked to move closer but it was so open right there where we was at in that cow, cattle area. Uh, there was no getting up. I mean, we could have got up and stayed in the timber, but he was going to see us pull our decoys because when you're hunting them open areas, we was talking about decoys earlier. If I'm hunting in big timber, I don't even use a decoy. I mean, it's kind of like Scott was saying, you said about Scott, you know, hide the hen. I want him to come looking and searching for me and, and be able to get that shot. But if 
if I'm hunting right next to an open area like that or hunting in an open area, I like to have something for him to see, something for him to look at. Mm. If we went out there and pulled the decoys, it's a, we could see that turkey. is a pretty good possibility, like you said. They got good eyesight. Pretty good possibility they could have seen us, and, and the whole game's over then. But if you can, if you're in a national forest, get up and move if i can i want to i want to try and get it get up there and get within 75 to 100 yards of him and get set up uh if you cover the ground there's a you've got a lot better chance of, of getting that bird to come to your calls than you do trying to make him walk the five or six hundred yards yeah what about their hearing like when you're trying to cover ground like that it you know you said if you're going in in the morning you're trying to be quiet how much more can you get away with during the daytime uh you know if the wind's blowing, if uh, the birds are really being active and making a lot of noise, squirrels are running around, you know, the squirrels getting the leaves and stuff, oh. uh, that can help you a whole bunch. I mean, you want to make sure you're not snapping great big twigs and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, if I am if I hear a bird gobble and he's, and he's a quarter of a mile away and I'm on one rig's top and he's on the other, uh, when I go to him, I'm not usually going to go right straight at him because I want to get on the same level as him. I'll walk down my rigs a pretty good ways, and I'm not trying to be quiet. I'm getting across that holler. Now, when I get on his rigs and I start trying to get in and move in a little bit closer, then I start trying to be quiet and try to get in where I need to be at. So, I mean, they're no different than us as far as if they hear something a long ways away, just some leaves rustling, they're mm-hmm. not going to they're not gonna turn around and take off running. Now, if they can look across there and see you because there's no leaves on the trees, mm-hmm that's totally different you you're not going to be able to you know get right in on top of them with the leaves on the trees a lot of you can get by with a whole lot more trying to get in on a bird so it just depends on the terrain of what you want to do so sound insight i guess are their main senses Um, that is our senses yeah is there there anything you need to worry about as far as scent like when you're coming in no like I said, I'm new. I'm yeah, brand new. Thankfully, yeah, nah. thankfully. <laughs> yeah, because they can smell you. They can smell you. You wouldn't be killing yeah, a terrible time killing a turkey. Well, it's like a, another thing, Bill, I think it would be nice for you to talk about is the difference between leaf on versus leaf off and how that affects your hearing and like potentially how far you think that bird is and judging distance based off that gobble. Because I think as someone new going out there, you hear a bird gobble, you don't know necessarily is he 300 yards from you from you or is he 800 yards from you depending on the situation because it takes you some time to get out there and be able to hear different gobbles and understand potentially how far that bird is but it's different with leaves on the tree versus leaves off the tree it always seems like i always run over the top of a turkey he's gobbling leaves are on the tree i'm thinking he's mm-hmm. four or five hundred yards and next thing i know he's 250 yards and he was facing away from me and next thing i know i blow him off the limb or run into him or whatever so could you talk on some of that because i think that's that'd be something really interesting to talk about in this episode too yeah we've had i mean i've done i've made all the mistakes i've made about every mistake possible and and you think we got to learn from our mistakes and uh even after 40 years you'll make the same mistake you did the first year every once in a while (laughs) then then you get mad and kick brushes you go back to the truck because you (laughs) messed that all up but no he's right as far as the leaves being on the trees that gobbles a lot more muffled uh if that turkey is on a on a limb they'll strut up in a tree just like you know same as they will on the ground and then they if they are turned away from you and that fans up and it's just like taking your hand and you put it up to your face to throw mm-hmm. that call to the left or to the right it's no different that, that bird could be throwing that gobble completely away from you and like he said you might think he's 400 yards and that bird's only 150 yards and a lot of times you walk right up there and you end up spooking him he goes you know flies off the other direction 
Uh, another thing is when you get into the open country like out Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Kansas, a lot of those places are wide open. When that bird gobbles, he may not be nearly as far as what you think he is. I mean, he's a whole lot closer. And as far as a turkey's hearing, when you don't always have to call real loud and real aggressive. You don't have to always do the yelping and the cutting like you would see in a contest. Uh, the reason for that kind of calling is to relate to that gobbler that you're getting excited when when you hear him gobble. So that's a whole different subject, I guess, as far as as far as your calling. As far as a turkey hearing you, uh, just the softest yelps, you'd be surprised when you do get some of the softest yelps and he'll hear it, or purrs and clucks or scratching in the leaves. Sometimes he's 100 yards and he can hear every bit of that. Now, if the wind's blowing or something else is making more noise, then it's just like person. You have to pick up the volume a little bit. You want to make sure that he is hearing you and he is listening to you to try to get him to coax in that extra little bit right there. Right. You were talking about a lost call earlier. What exactly is that? What what's going on there? I'm, are they, you know, did they lose the other hens or something like that? And is is this a uh, is this a hen or a gobbler that's making this lost call? Yeah, any bird can do the you can do what I call lost yelps, uh, which is more common in the spring. I've had I've heard turkeys kiki in the spring, and I've even used that. If I hear a bird kiki in the spring, I may use that in that area because that's what the turkeys are doing anytime that you hear a turkey start to yelp or anything if you can mimic her uh the more you can mimic her and sound more like her that's why you take a lot of different calls whether it's a a, a slate call or box call or a mouth call anytime you can mimic her and make that gobbler think that you're one of the hens that he's normally in his area you're a whole lot better off and and you'll be able to talk to him the way he usually gets talked to in the mornings so i've heard this before um i guess maybe i i don't know if i'm getting this right or not just because i'm just trying to think through what i'd heard before um somebody was talking about like you just said like mimicking the hen and you're basically pissing her off for lack of better words and her coming in and actually bringing in i guess a gobbler with her is is that something like is that a tactic or something sometimes that works uh well like we was talking about the lost calling for me a lost call is when you start off a little bit softer plain yelps and then you and then you build up into that and you build up into that and you just get louder and louder and louder and you throw a few cuts in there and then you yelp a little bit more that's that bird looking looking for another bird another thing you want to put in there maybe put a few little pauses in there while you're yelping you might you might stop just hesitate for a few seconds and that's what a hen does they're, they're listening for a gobbler or a hen to respond to that call uh and like you were saying hung up birds we call a hung up birds or hinned up birds i guess more more of a better term for it. you get birds that are hinned up sometimes you can get that if you can get a hen to start talking to you uh you can do one of two things okay so but you got to try something you can yelp at her and get her mad and everything she does, like I was talking about mimicking a bird, just mimic what she's doing. If she starts getting aggressive with you, get aggressive with her, next thing you know, you're having a little battle, and she just drags a gobbler right in behind her. Uh, I've also had it work against me. I was hunting in Tennessee with Jason Cruz one time, and we come up to a field, and we seen a group of hens. And I don't know, there's a couple, three gobblers in there with them. And I mean probably 10 or 12 hens, if I remember right. So we get set down, and we start to call, and – 
the hens start raising their heads. I mean, they wouldn't talk to us, but they start raising their heads and they're looking. And I just keep soft talking. I'm not calling real loud or anything like that. And they turn around and they go the opposite direction. Well, the gobbler's just following them wherever they go. We get up and we move all the way around the field and we get on the other side. Okay, now they're feeding towards us again. And I yelp at them. And them hens, they start ticking their head up. And next thing you know, they're feeding off in a different direction, taking the gobblers away from us. We move all the way back around the other side of the field. And we get reset up again over there. And I went ahead and I called to them again. And I had them. I thought, I thought we had them this time. They're coming. They're getting pretty close. And the gobblers are still just a little too far to, to shoot. The hens are actually within shooting range. And that lead hen turns around and, and walks off back towards the gobblers and leads them off the other direction. But luckily that day, there was another gobbler off to our right. And he heard us doing all that calling. I start pleading with them, you know, when they start walking away. And another gobbler gobbled. And, boy, I mean, there's probably eight hens with him. And he come up on our right side and was able to – I don't know if I should say this. Jason may not like it. He missed. But, anyway, <laughs> I had a great time. I was doing all the calling. I, I got to see his show. The turkey still got away. But it was a fun time. So, it, is there, like, a perfect day for you, like, as far as weather conditions? Like, I'm sure weather plays into to how active they are, maybe whether it be calling or moving or anything like that. Sure, I mean, and it depends on where you're at. You know, back home, uh, really, how cold it is doesn't matter as long as it's calm and it's clear. Calm and clear morning back home, and it can be 25 degrees. Uh, the birds, they'll be really active and really be gobbling good. Um, you get in other areas where it's normally warm, you get that cold weather, and a lot of times they just shut down. They're freezing. They don't want, you know, they don't want to talk or anything like that. But, yeah, the bluebird days, I mean, I love hunting the bluebird days. You know, they that's when the turkeys are more vocal nine times out of ten than they okay. are any other time. What about wind? Um, are, you know, more calm days better than the windier days? Yeah, you can hear better. And I think uh, the birds are a little quieter a lot of times on the real windy days because of the fact that they can't hear as good so the predators have a better opportunity to get up on mm-hmm. them which also will play in your favor uh if a bird is goblin then it allows you to be able to sneak through the through the timber in those leaves and try to get set up a little bit closer to him so but the birds will talk i mean they'll get to goblin and stuff I've, I've killed a lot of birds and real high winds i mean not say high wings i mean you get you know 15 mile an hour winds uh, I've killed a lot of birds and those they'll come in and their tail fans blowing you know <laughs> blowing up over top of their back and everything else so the wind's not going to stop him from coming in but it, he may not be quite as vocal mm-hmm. on those days and trying to walk around and strike one up that's a lot harder because you can't hear them when they do gobble sometimes what about on rainy days I noticed they always seem to go out in the fields or at least what I've I guess seen in the past what they always go out in the fields like i remember my dad always talking about what she wasn't a turkey hunter he was talking about they go out in the fields and look up at the at the rain and drown themselves or something like that i don't <laughs> even know if that's true oh, the turn of the tame turkeys <laughs> i'm sure do i hope the wild ones don't do we had no turkeys left you know we had uh we used to have uh i guess a, a thing of turkeys i'm sure they weren't uh weren't wild i don't i don't know they may have been but like during the drought like during the summertime they would come over to our front yard if we had a sprinkler on and just to get the water oh yeah they're gonna go wherever they have to to get what they need but like you were saying about the rain 
uh, one of the things we'll do if we're having trouble, it's raining and we're having trouble and not so much a hard rain, like misty days yeah. or something like that. Uh, one of the first things we'll do is hop in that truck and start riding and looking in fields. Or if you got hidden fields, you know, you can walk back in there, walk through the timber and, and keep peeking out there and looking to see if they come out in the fields because turkeys go to the fields when it's raining. And I think that's a safety thing that God gives them that when it when it gets to rain and they can't hear a predator sneak up on them so they're going to rely more on their eyesight than they are on their hearing uh-huh. so they go out in the open fields plus I always wonder if uh, you know the night crawlers they come up well, that's up what I was night crawlers come up, there's a lot of worm might come up to the surface when it gets to rain and I, I kind of wonder if that ain't part of it too yeah uh, real quick I just want to mention one thing another thing talking about like the open areas they come out to the fields in areas where there's no fields that could be a fresh cut over the fresh clear oh, cut. Oh sure, yeah. If it's if it's for, I'm talking like that year that was cut. I know a place on air has got a lot of birds <laughs> that it comes to mind. That I was really got this confirmed for me. Fresh cut over like that, they get up on those logging decks, and it's like they can get out and they'll strut up there in those mm-hmm. logging decks out in the hill country where it's yep. like nothing but slash on the ground. Well, earlier we were talking about too, like the burn areas. Um, do they do they prefer that because they can see further or? Um, because that's where like the new growth is or is it kind of both i guess maybe it could be both um i think i think the reason they are in those areas is because of the new growth that's coming on but yeah once they're there i mean they can and like on a rainy day i'd say that might be a really good spot yeah. just like a wide open field mm-hmm. is for them to get in that that burn area man when a when a bird comes up over the hill on one of them burn areas when he hits the top of that field and you can see his head you better kill him because that may be the only chance you got to kill him. You know, he may turn around and be – he can pop our head up and be gone just as fast as he got there. It's crazy. Right. So, as far as food, like, what are they really focusing on? Are they focusing on the insects? I mean – Yeah, or- different, different times of the years. I mean, and in burn areas, I mean, little shoots that are just coming up. Uh, I mean, they'll eat, they'll, they'll eat clover. Uh, heck, back home, I've seen them eat like walking sticks. We had an overabundance of them one year. Uh-huh. Any kind of little grubs or bugs or, or and you know, in the wintertime, they're looking for acorns or looking for corn out in the fields. Or So let's say it's springtime and you're in a, a really forest, heavily forested area, um, not a lot of fields, anything like that. Like, w- what's your go-to? Like, where do, you, where do you think they're going to? Like, is there anything in particular? In the big timbered areas? Mm-hmm back home a lot of times the birds will fly down and i've seen them stay in a holler in the same holler almost all day long like along a creek or something it's like that gobbler uh and this ain't all gobblers i mean a lot of them travel but i've seen them stay in one spot and have the hens come to them that old dominant gobbler he sits down there and when and when his hens are all gone and he'll gobble every once in a while and another hen would go to him and them are some of the hardest birds there are to kill uh i spent a lot of time uh, on a bird like that calling to him and getting him to gobble and then sometimes even crawling a little bit closer and a little bit closer and a little bit closer and it might take you some time and finally get within what we call in his bubble if you watch on on the youtube channel we hunted a place last year and we called a hen in and she flew up in a tree and a lot of times they'll do that to where they can see further it don't happen a lot but every once in a while and we wasn't doing any good and we moved uh we hunt with cody turner and we moved and he said the birds a lot of times they work this way and we got over there we got in what we call got inside of his bubble, you know, within that hundred yards or a little, little closer. We got in there. I yelped him, man. I mean, he gobbled and he just come. I mean, he come right straight in, which before we was 150 yards from him. And it was wide open, burn open. You know, I mean, they just got through burning this thing, and he wouldn't come out to it. But once we got 
I guess, close enough to where he thought, you know, where he thought he was safe. Then he come right on in there strutting, and I end up killing him. And he was an old bird. I mean, he had a jake with him, and, and that bird, he had inch and a half hooks on him. I mean, I was really surprised. I walk up there and look, oh, yeah, you don't get these every day. <laughs> so there, there's a lot. We've covered a lot. I've been very, I've been very happy with this episode so far. I'll be honest, Michael. You're doing a good job asking mm-hmm. some questions. This is uh, the most I've ever I heard told Michael you, talk. I've, I've got a lot of questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Kyle, I want to, I want to move to you. I want to talk to you and, and Billy about yeah. you hunting a lot of national forests, mm-hmm. okay? And you know, kind of growing up, you know, turkey hunting, but then kind of getting into this like the national forest game. What has been like your biggest challenge hunting that, so that public land, dealing with some of the other hunters and everything? Because I'm trying, I'm trying to give him. We're, we're talking about this all around, Michael. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we give him like the best? He's, he's going to have to learn. We're going to have to fail a lot oh, yeah. this year. But Absolutely. like, give him an idea of some of the things that are happening out there when you're actively hunting some of these national forces and everything. I guess my biggest thing and the question for you is, uh, I have a hard time building soul ties with these turkeys. What is your marker? What is your time? A point in time when you're hunting a bird to be like, okay, I mean. He's not he's not killable, you know. What's that moment? Because I mean, I keep going. I build a relationship with a turkey, even if he's not coming. I mean, I, I stay after him. You know, that could be days, weeks at a time. I'm just hard headed with that. I, I get too emotionally attached to a bird like that, and that that hurts me a lot, <laughs> big time. I've done that before. I've done and, it uh, 20 years. I, I cannot break it. I'm they just go, they can beat insane. you up when Absolutely. you get to doing that. Yeah, uh, a lot of times. Um, I mean, I go if I if I go in and I hunt a bird a couple of different days, mm-hmm. and I just can't because I I'll try a lot of different tricks, even yeah. as far as uh, you know doing maybe even some fighting purrs. So you try yeah. to work off his jealousy side, all kinds of different things, and sometimes that bird is going to stand down there and he's got hens that come to him yeah. and he is not coming to you. And if you mm-hmm. can't crawl in there close enough, I mean. Personally, I would try to get right in there within 50 Absolutely. yards of them. But I know yeah. what that National Forest is like. Oh, yeah. Some of them places where they're going to roost at, you ain't going to get within 50 mm-hmm. yards of that turkey. Yeah. And and you ain't just going to rake the leaves away and be no. quiet enough to be able to get yeah, into absolutely. that close of it. Uh, yeah, if I hunt him a couple of days mm-hmm. and I just can't, <laughs> if I just can't close the deal, do you hunt him in the evenings too? Try to hunt him in the mornings and in the evenings? Until this year, yes. You know, because they, they, they changed it to 1 o'clock. You they, know, we can't hunt. Oh, really? You know, this year? First time oh, state okay. Alabama, so it's going to be oh, it's a new it's deal be for you. Then. Yeah, it's that's going it's going to be hard, and I don't know if that's going to make it worse. If I'm going to push harder in the morning times, I I don't know. Now, <laughs> I mean, we it's always been one o'clock back home yeah, when we yeah. had to stop at one o'clock, and the best thing to do is go back in there and mm-hmm. find out exactly where Absolutely. he's roosting at. And one day he might just make a mistake. Yeah, uh, personally. I won't mess with a bird that many days yeah, in a row because yeah. there's so many other birds. I usually go try to find me another bird. That's what I tell people. If you're limited and that's the only mm-hmm. bird you got, then you're just going to have to. Absolutely. One of yeah. the things I would do is I'd, I'd, I'd try to do as soft a stuff as I could. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of purring and clucking and yeah. scratching in the leaves and try to, you're going to have to catch him on a day uh, when he hasn't got the hens coming running right. to him. Yeah. I had an old timer tell me one time, he said, go out when it's been raining all night long and he said if you know where that bird roosts at he mm-hmm. said go out when it's been raining he said a lot of those hens if they've got eggs and that's probably a little later in the season if they've got a clutch of eggs that they've been laying a lot of times they want to go set on that nest because they don't want the egg to get too cold right. so they'll go set on that nest now, how true that is i don't know mm-hmm. but it has worked for me a few times where i went in there and, and killed that bird that was unkillable yeah 
and he didn't have any hens with him that morning. And yeah, so I always figured that old timer might have been right. Maybe yeah. them hens are going to their nest and sitting on that nest on those particular days. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the day, you just go hunt some other bird. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dang, and I don't know if it's a pride thing. I mean, being a public land hunter, um, you're like, oh, my gosh, I wasn't good enough. I didn't do something right. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God. Not that I don't want somebody else to kill that bird, but, I mean, I got so much invested in him. I'm like, it just emotionally, it wrecks me. <laughs> yeah, but when bad. you pull that trigger and, and he walks up there and, and he's a two-year-old. and I you, know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of times they ain't the one that's got the Absolutely. inch and the hook. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, they may be the dominant bird. I guess another one would be, and it's kind of off of that too, is picking the right bird. You know, on the rare occasions in Alabama that you're hearing four, five, mm. six different birds What's your marker for which one to go to? Obviously, the one that's gobbling the most. He seems the most receptive. I'm going to go to him. But, you know, I mean, what's your marker for that? You know, obviously, distance plays a part in it. I'm like you. I mean, a lot of it would also depend on where is he at. That's right. Because uh, the bird that's by himself is a, and it's not always, a pretty good chance that he may be the dominant bird with all the hens. That's right. but if he's a bird by himself and he's gobbling a lot, a lot of times you can tell by the way they're way they're talking mm-hmm. of whether they're by themselves or whether they've got hens with them. Because a yeah. bird with hens, I mean, he's gobbling and he might gobble quite a bit. Man, I've seen birds that were alone, and I mean, mm-hmm. they, it's a different gobble. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll gobble and gobble at everything. If you, mm-hmm. I had a ghoul's hunt, and this bird, there was a hen up in there with him. And I don't know what happened to her, but this bird, I mean, everything. Ducks flew over, whatever. Bow, bow, bow. When they're doing that, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's the one you want to go to. I'll tell you a story. Back in, uh, I think it was in 88, I was hunting uh, our old saddle club, and I went in, and I got set up on a first bird I heard gobbling. And I start, I start watching hens flying down. I mean, I'm within probably 70 yards of this bird, and I start watching mm-hmm. hens. And hens, well, that's back when we had a lot of birds, and they just mm-hmm. kept flying out of the trees. This bird's gobbling at everything I'm doing, I'm, and I'm not doing anything loud. And the more hens I keep watching fly down, back by what used to be an old white gate out there on our property line, and back by this old white gate, I could hear this one bird. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he was every probably every 10 seconds this bird was gobbling, just nonstop. This bird, I know he's got hens, and I know I'm close to him. I got up, and I left him, and I mm-hmm. went all the way back there. Ended up calling that bird in. He was yep. a nice bird. I mean, I I called to him. Walking in there, I ended up spooking up a bunch of deer, and they ran right down to him. I'm like, uh, oh, no. <laughs> but I went ahead, and I got set up anyways, and I called to him, and he gobbled. Mm-hmm. So, all right, the deer didn't spook him. So I yelped at him again, nothing. And I yelped at him again, nothing. And then I get a little louder nothing and i'm like are you, maybe the deer hadn't made it all yeah, the way down there yeah. and then they finally did but i decided to set it out for just a little bit yeah and pretty soon i started hearing that spitting and drumming i'm like <laughs> oh he's he's close he quit gobbling he had gobbled and gobbled and gobbled and gobbled and i'd say he didn't have any hens that morning and when he started uh when he started coming to me he shut down and he walked right up there within mm. 20 yards and i end up killing him so you just never know yeah. i mean you the, i'm like you the bird that's gobbling the most, it's a pretty good chance that he's looking for hens and he ain't mm-hmm. got none with him right then. That's right. If you can be the first hen that he hears, you know, if you hear him gobbling, you can get in there and be the very first hen he hears, good chance he'll fly down and come running right mm-hmm. to you. I think one thing I've been doing, just kind of piggyback off that, is if the rare occasions I have multiple birds gobbling, I'm going to pick, hey, which one kind of do I want to play with? And I turn them on each other. And I start talking to him. 
and then I'll shut up to him and I'll start talking to that one. Mm-hmm. You know, and just kind of play, you know, play the devil devil's advocate. Kind of <laughs> have them where they're they're mad at each other. You know what I mean? So oh, that's, yeah. That's one thing. I kind of piece them apart that way. Sure. Yeah, anytime you can uh, – anytime that you can go in there and – paint that picture when we mm. go up on the calling contest you know mm. for a calling contest and we're setting up there and we have to paint that picture for that judge when they call for a kiki run a lot of times i like to go to the back of the stage and i try to when a bird is lost and they begin to do a kiki they're trying to just throw a real soft key out there because something just split the whole bunch of them up you know so they're real real soft they start off real soft and then as they feel more lost and start to get more pleading and more frantic and they start getting louder and louder to where eventually they're just screaming their heads off and they're they're trying to get a response from somebody that they don't want to be alone and it's not much different you know when you paint that picture for a gobbler i took my daughter on her first turkey uh i had taken her out with a 410 and we'd shot that gun before and i put the lightest loads in that 410 that i could and she was just creaming these these cans you know that i set up for so when we went hunting we got we was we was actually a little bit late it started getting breaking daylight and i'm like ah we ain't gonna get in a good spot where i wanted to go i said i was in here and i found a gobbler i said let's go in here i said and i, I thought there was only one bird in there well we got in there on top of that ridge and got set up one gobble's on our right one gobble's on our left kind of like what you were just talking about so I'm just doing everything real soft, and both of them, they're just a hammer. Well, the one on the left flew down. I said, get ready. I said, the one on the left flew down. I said, he'll probably come right up here, and you can kill him. And he shut up when he hit the ground, and we waited, and I just kept calling real soft, and this bird on the right, he's still gobbling. Well, this bird never gobbles again, and I don't think he ever came to us. I don't think he ever had any intentions on coming to us, but this bird over here, he don't know that. So I told my daughter, I said, I had an old scratch box that I could do a gobbler yelp on, and I said, all right, I'm going to do a hen yelp. I said, I'm going to take you a scratch box and do a gobbler yelp. And I said, then I'm going to do a hen yelp real fast like I'm answering him, you know, cut a couple times and then like I'm answering mm-hmm. that gobbler. I said, uh, that bird, he'll get all jealous. I said, he'll fly out of that tree, come running up her. My daughter's like, you know, she's 13 years old. She's like, really? I said, well, I don't know. I said, it's a pretty good chance. He could, but she said, well, try it. And I said, all right. I said, we'll try it. So I yelped at him real soft. And, and he gobbled, and then, I mean, I instantly done. Uh-huh. Go, go, go. Yep. And as soon as I did that, that bird, bow, and I'm like, and as soon as i did i mean this bird you could mm-hmm. hear him bow again and you could hear the wings i said get yeah, your gun absolutely. up and boy i mean yeah. she got up on her knee and, and this bird literally ran clear to the top of the hill stopped up there and poked that head up <laughs> kill him <laughs> she killed him and i got i go down there you know it's 410 we didn't have apex back in i yeah. went down there and his head was still kind of up a little bit and i got him rang his neck and i could hear her up there going making this squeaking noise and i'm like i throw the three inch mag but it's a 410 i throw the three incher and i thought that must have kicked her she still got her face mask on Mm -hmm. and i'm I'm, come down here so she came down there i'm still standing there next to the turkey and we're talking and i'm like well she ain't crying and and all of a sudden she 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 does that again and i'm like what are you what are you doing are you crying no and i'm like pull your face mask off so she pulls it off but she's not crying i'm like what is that noise you're making daddy i'm just so excited she said i <laughs> I, I i just can't believe that worked like that he did just what you said he was going to do and i'm like yeah oh yeah that makes it all that worth fires it me up. oh yeah. yeah it was i mean it i painted that picture that's right in hopes that it would work and that's all we can do when we go turkey mm-hmm. hunting we can paint that picture and we can try to get in that gobbler's mind 
And honestly, I think, like you was talking about them other birds, I think sometimes they begin to learn you. Mm, absolutely. And they never see that hen, mm-hmm. even if they don't know that you're, that you're an actual hunter. They've never seen that hen and don't know why she's not coming to them, but right. he's already made up his mind. I am not going up there. You've been yelping at me for five days, and I am mm-hmm. not coming up there. He just gets stubborn. <laughs> I don't know, but you paint that picture for him, and all Absolutely. you can do at that point in time, and I don't care how good or how bad of a caller you are, you mm-hmm. paint that picture and just hope that it all works out. That's right. Yeah. Kind of on a father question. That's a little little no, off topic. You're good. A little off topic. You got two little girls. When did you get them started? You know, because I, I mean, I grew up. I've done it my whole life. I'm mm-hmm. that's my favorite thing. When did you know? When did you introduce them to it? Uh, the girls, I made. I made them wait a little bit longer yeah. because a lot of times, not all girls, but most girls are a little more petite. You know, than boys are. So I, uh, most of my daughters, I made them wait till they was about 13 years old to where they could handle a gun and shoot a gun pretty good. But I will tell you this, that same day that I was telling you that my daughter killed that bird, uh, first thing she said, I pulled my face mask off and, and, uh, of course I packed a bird out for her. I made her pack a gun and I said, uh, and she, she looked at me, she said, all right, daddy, now it's your turn. And I was like, (laughs) all right. So we go back to the truck we didn't have a youth season back in this regular season really wow. yeah so we went back to the truck and and put the and uh, put turkey in there and headed down the road i said we'll go back up where i planned on originally taking you i said we'll go on up in there so we got up in there and uh of course i grabbed my gun then we took it down there and the very first time i yelped birds gobbled we got in there and got set up and a big gobbler and two jakes i mean they come running right up over that hill and i end up i end, it was a two-year-old gobbler nice long beard and i shot him and, and it i mean it was a good day yeah, no awesome, doubt about man. it but the thing that really got me on the way home uh she turned around and looked at me in the truck and she said you know what dad i said what's that this is the best day of my whole life come and on. i'm like oh awesome. man yeah <laughs> i've never forgot that to this day and i don't know if she knew what that meant yeah. for me back then uh we'd been going through a lot i'd been through a divorce and everything mm-hmm. else not you know not too many years yeah. before that so for her to say that being the best day of her whole life uh she turned it into one of the best days of my life i for can tell sure. you that for sure <laughs> yeah i'm fired up because i mean we're she's only two so i got a long long oh, yeah. Yeah. you got a video <laughs> over here we're at a point right now though that every turkey hunt we watch i mean i'm calling so much in the house i'm watching so much turkey hunting and she is just i mean immersed in it i mean she is yeah. just enamored i mean every call i mean she'll gobble at two years old oh, or yeah. make make a sound yeah. you know like a gobble and I mean, this is it's the craziest thing you know just it's all in god's time and god's plan you know i thought i'd have boys i got two girls i had three you know girls yeah, exactly and it's just like <laughs> it, it would be guys like us you know so immersed in in, in turkey hunting and everything but you know that that's a sector that the women are typically forgot about you know in this you know they they love it just as much as we do oh they can so, well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about that i really am yeah yeah don't sell them short we have a <laughs> we have a youth hunt back in missouri every spring been doing it for several years a good friend of mine ralph Beedenbender. he he uh he organizes so much of that i mean a lot of people point the finger and say i'm doing it and in all honesty i mean i do a part of it but uh he's the one that does so much groundwork gets so many prizes and i help with that too but he, i mean without him i don't know that i would be able to pull it off we'll have 100 to 125 kids come for that youth hunt and we'll do on a friday night i do a turkey hunting seminar and i might share my testimony or have somebody else come up and share their testimony with the kids and everybody the next day we go out hunting they can actually kill a turkey and then that afternoon at noon we meet at rouse and he'll he'll supply a whole meal for these kids 
and then we'll have more guns and stuff for drawings and things like that and these kids are pumped they love every bit of it from the Absolutely. friday night all the way all the way to the end of it and some of the kids they might even hunt the next day yep. i mean as far as we're concerned our youth hunt is over on saturday but to get and it's boys and it's girls mm-hmm. you get them all out there in the field and uh teach them you know get them started teaching them in the right direction get them on the right foot there's nothing any better than that and they're they're our future you know as far as a turkey absolutely. hunt and we just need to we need to keep that going absolutely billy i want to say thank you for coming on this has been an excellent yeah. episode this is this is the first of all this is the least amount i've ever talked i think on a podcast episode <laughs> yeah. but i've learned so much and i thoroughly enjoyed it again michael with you kind of asking a lot of questions it's kind of cool to kind of see your mindset again being as green as you could possibly be okay don't even earn don't earn i cannot talk don't own a turkey gun you don't have really anything you just got your first turkey call yeah you're trying to learn, <laughs> learn how to do this simple calling and it's like trying to figure stuff out to how you know you could possibly have success and of course having kyle on here and everything else it's, it's been awesome well i've got a question um what kind of turkey call would you suggest for a, a new beginner to get and start with just a turkey call in general yeah yeah i, would. I just got one that jacob said hey get this one because yeah, it's okay. su- something super easy to is run. Is that the one? Is that the one yeah, right there? Yeah, yeah. That little that little box? Yeah, slate box. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, he he made the King guy started putting these out back in Missouri. Like I was telling you before we ever started, it's probably close to forty years ago. That is a wow. good one for a beginner. Yeah. Any kind of a slate call will uh, will get you started. But like this one here, it's so easy. You put your thumb on there, you cluck. Very very easy. I mean, you make some of the soft yelps Absolutely. and things like that. That's a good one. Uh, over at Woodhaven, we got like the Cherry Classic Slate. I always recommend that. That's one of the easiest calls. But I would also get some mouth calls, maybe a couple different, like a double read or a triple read, something really easy to blow, and get started learning on that because eventually, uh, to me, a turkey hunter, most turkey hunters are going to have their hands free when that bird gets in there. And if you can do nothing but learn how to purr and cluck or do just a real, real soft yelp on that mouth call, uh, that will help you close the deal right there at the very end. But, yeah, this call right here, it'll work just fine. Come over and get one of them slate calls. I'll come and see you. Okay. And a box call for long distance. I, I love a box call. It's very, very easy for the beginner to, to get the loud yelps and the cutting on to where you can strike a bird off at a distance. Uh, the slate call to get as realistic as you possibly can, just getting started. Uh, one of my things that I would say, a, a beginner turkey hunter, one of the things I always tell everybody, the softer you can call, if you're not confident in your calling, the softer you can call, the better off you're going to be because you don't always know, knowing what to say and when to say it to a, a particular turkey is a big, big thing. You go by the reaction of how of how they've answered you or maybe their body language if they're out in the field and you can see them. Anytime you're doing something soft, you can't go wrong with that. Whether you're purring and clucking or whether you're soft yelping. Uh, I was telling you about a mouth call, the Blue Viper. I build that. I design it and I build it. Uh, I build every one of them for Woodhaven. That's what I do. I build mouth calls. That Blue Viper has just got two reeds in it. It's a V-cut. Uh, it's got the two little wings cut off just the tips of them. Very, very easy to get, get those little calls, them little soft calls like I was telling you about, to be able to close that deal. When that bird's coming in, and sometimes he... You just need him to move to the left or the right or just maybe coax him in that just that little bit more, but you already got your gun up and your safety's off. You know, he's only 55 yards. You just need him to move another 10. Then 
just you know squeak on that mouth call a lot of times to get him just a little squeaky yelp or get him to come and close that distance so okay awesome perfect anybody else got any last questions Awesome. Well, Billy, listen, I want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's Thanks been for an having absolute me. Blast. Um, so, uh, I'll give you one last chance. Is there anything you want to plug or put out there for any of the listeners right now before we just completely wrap it up? Well, the big thing is you have to use mossy oak camouflage. You have to use Apex ammunition to close the deal. <laughs> the Woodhaven calls to be able to draw him in and paint that picture for him. So. You, if you use those three things, I guarantee you, you're going to kill turkeys. All right. All right. Appreciate it. <laughs> As Michael would say, y'all stay Southern. Y'all stay Southern. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes coming out. And help us grow the community by sharing this podcast with a friend. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.